Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Knowledge Panel, episode 13. Unlucky for some, hopefully lucky for us. And it's managing SEO teams. And I've got a, another great panel. I'm really lucky that, that so many people have to, uh, are happy to come onto this show. Uh, it really does make for a good um, variety of really deep um, conversations. So uh, let me just uh, start by introducing the, the, the panel today. Um, why don't we start with uh, you, Laura? Where, 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 tell us, who, who are you and where do you come from? Uh, I'm Laura Hogan, and I own an agency called Sweet Digital, um, which is based in Birmingham in the UK, but we actually have team members across the globe. Excellent. And uh, let's go on for Helen. Go on then. Hello. Yes, so I'm Helen. I'm an SEO manager at iTech Media. I've had about 14 years in the digital marketing industry, started managing SEOs about five, six years ago. Um, iTech Media runs a portfolio of comparison sites within the gaming industry. We have remote team members, we have in-person team members, so quite um, a mix of people that I'm managing. Tough market as well. Isla, how are you? How are you? And where do you come from? Hi, um, I'm good. So, yeah, my name is Ayala. I come from Spain. I actually live in Spain, but um, I work for Reflect. It's an agency based in Kent. So, yeah, remotely, uh, myself fully remotely. My team is actually mixed between remote and going back to the office. And, yeah, I've been in this world for around 19 years. Uh, the first time I'm living in Spain in these 19 years, actually, I've been living abroad in Dubai, Malaysia, Germany, um, always doing SEO. And Isla, we put you up as uh, Isla um, Icaza Gonzalez. Do you, is, do you go with the, both the surnames? Do you collect <laughs> surnames, do you? Yeah, okay. It's great. Okay. And Sai Shangaze. Hi, how are you? Yes, I'm doing good. So, hi, everybody. My name is Si, or you can call me Sai Shangaze, and I work at Havas Media. So, I work in the SEO uh, team as an SEO director. And basically, obviously, we all know Havas is an international business. So, I look after the UK um, office side of operations. Um, We have a very sort of medium sized team. And our team specializes mostly in strategy and just standard SEO. Um, my passion is uh, going into the nitty gritty of how search engines work. Um, and yeah, just finding out the future of SEO. Excellent. And Havas is huge now. How many people around the world do you know? Pretty more than about, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have about 2,500 of us in the London right. office. Well, well into the thousands then, okay. Yes, uh, yeah. yeah. So I'm putting you in the big category for our industry. That's that's great. Uh, so so thank you very much all for coming along first, everyone. Uh, if, uh, if anybody's out there on YouTube or Facebook watching live, feel free to throw in some questions because we do have a producer on hand who will be able to uh, throw them our way. Um, David, hello. How are you? What have I missed out? Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you're watching, um, Dixon. Um, doing a great job here. I mean, obviously, um, we're talking about managing ACO teams. Later on, I'll share what we're going to be covering and when we're going to be covering it in episode 14, if you stay tuned for that. Obviously, it's important just to say to listeners on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to that, make, make sure you actually join us, if you can, for a live one next time. To sign up for that, just go to theknowledgepanelshow.com. Excellent. Fantastic. So I'd like to start off with uh, I, I like to start off with, with a question for everybody, for anybody that hasn't got time to go through the whole podcast. Um, if you have one nugget of information, well, the whole the whole session is going to be about, you know, managing SEO teams. But if people haven't got time to listen to everything and you just wanted to give that one nugget for people to go away with, 
how can they be better at managing SEO teams? You know, what what would you go for? So I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on I'll, I'll pick on Laura first, if that's okay. Yeah, for me, I think the key thing is to not be afraid to go outside of your local area when hiring. Um, there's so much talent across across the globe, and I think if there's one thing that the pandemic showed us, it's that actually we don't need to be physically sat next to the person that we're working with all the time. We can still work together as a great team and have a great culture together. Um, so that would be my little piece of advice. Okay, great tip. Um, and uh, Helen, do you want to jump in there? Yeah, sure. So I would say probably the best thing to do is actually ask your team how they want to be managed because they know better than you how they respond to management techniques. So if they are the sort of person who likes to have regular check-ins with their manager, they should be able to tell you that. If they're the kind of person who actually hates a meeting and much rather just communicate with you over an instant messenger chat, they can probably tell you that as well. So best thing to do is ask them. Okay, I might come back to that because that's easier said than done, getting a getting a, 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 a genuine answer out of people. So, Sai, what have you got as a tip? And you got a lot of structure, I guess, in Hevas. So. <laughs> yes, 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 we do, actually. Um, what I would say um, is to focus on your team strength. And um, that's easier said than done, obviously. There are some management courses that people can take. Um, it's called Strength Finder. Basically, it's a Gallup um, sort of quiz that you can do with your team. And what it does is it actually identifies the, the, the character traits of a, of, of a person um, and gives you the strength areas, so things that they prefer or that they like to actually um, approach um, when they're doing certain tasks or handling certain activity. So I would definitely say that um, in management, especially for Havas, uh, I tend to focus on the strength of the individual. Okay, pretty good. That's four good, four good suggestions. Ayla, what are you going to come up with? <laughs> For me, it's going to be more on empathy. So um, I think it goes in the line with what Helen was saying. We need to understand who we're managing, uh, how they want to be managed as well. And also we need to try to get to them in a way. So uh, for me, communication is super important, trying to understand that everyone has a bad day, everyone has a good day. We need to understand that we need to make sure that, you know, if they're having a bad day, they've taken care of because of that. I mean, we all go through good and bad, and mainly when you're in an agency, um, that happens more often. So, yeah, I think strong communication and always, always be empathetic to your team and understand where they are. That's five brilliant, separate, different ideas and suggestions. I like that. So just for, just for the, 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 the audience, I'll just re- remind everyone that uh, go global, don't go local. Uh, ask your team how they want to be managed. Focus on the team's strengths and empathy. I like. I, I mean, that, that last one, empathy, uh, Isla, is interesting because people have, you know, two different sort of brain patterns in any conversation going, going along, don't they? So they've got their emotional brain and their and their rational brain uh and and half the battle i think is the manager or a lot of the battle as a manager is both of you whether you're whether it's you or whether it's the person you're talking with trying to get out of that you know somebody's in emotional frame of mind instead of uh instead of a, a rational frame of mind do you find that as a important aspect to understanding empathy it's not only that is that and and this is goes with to what Laura was saying. We're going global now. We're not going local. Like we're dealing with teams that are remotely, that are um, different cultures, different backgrounds. So all of that has to come into account when you're managing someone, and you need to understand that one culture might be more blunt than your culture. They might be more direct than your culture, and you need to get to understand all these things so that a team can actually work together properly. 
and obviously um, being remotely, there's a lot of Slack, Teams, um, Skype, whatever you use, where it comes a lot of, oh, this person said something. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? How did they say it? How did they not say it? So we lack these face-to-face -face communication. So it's, we're going back to if we understand this person's background, this person's culture, we can understand better why they're saying these things and why are not. Is it a red flag? Uh, do we need to help them? And all of that. So, so Helen, you so you kind of touched on that with ask your team how they want to be managed. And obviously, if somebody's culturally going to give that answer straight away, then that, that then that's helpful. But are there any other tips then uh, as to how you can get that empathy in there? I mean, just asking somebody, particularly somebody who doesn't you know comes from a culture say that thinks that it's a it's it's um uh, maybe they come from a macho culture where it's not appropriate to admit that you're having struggle struggling so they're not going to answer you correctly necessarily right from the start are there any 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 tips where you can without being deception the deceitful you know uh, break down that you know define that sort of ability for people to communicate back to you in a honest way I think it's about getting to know people and getting that rapport going with them. I think that if you invest time in actually chatting with your team members, getting to know what they do at the weekend and what they're interested in and building that rapport up, then I think those kind of conversations where you perhaps are asking them to be honest with you about things is a lot easier. So if you're asking them questions around how they like to be managed or how they best receive feedback, if you've already got that rapport with them, chances are they're going to be able to open up about that a lot easier. So sorry, just have us go a different way because you're all, you're such a large organisation that you can naturally go you know, graphic. I mean, you're 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 more likely to be based in offices. Um, so you've mm. probably got people that are more local than perhaps Laura was suggesting by going sort of born global kind of approach. Um, does that mean that you tend to you think you tend to have people with uh, similar culture sets in teams, or or do you work on that diversity? Um, actually, it's it's very interesting because from an international agency, you have the ability for people to actually move across um, different markets. So what it does mean is, is that, you know, someone who is from the German office could actually work in London. Um, and we also have Rasmus programs as well. So you have a diversity of people coming in and out of the agency, but because it, it's so internationally renowned, um, a lot of people would actually decide to uh, move into London and actually work for one of the, the bigger agencies and have us happens to be one of them. Mm. Um, so, so it's it's a very interesting culture that you know you have from different different countries and different ways of working, um, and bringing it all into under one house actually gives us um, more insights into what are the ways that works best for an individual, for instance. And so do you think that as a, is that a sort of a type of person that likes to work for a large agency and and get that? The benefits and the and the constraints, I suppose, of working in a large organisation like that. Do you think that's a particular type of person? I think so. I think it could be a person that prefers being in, I suppose, I guess, like an open um, global economy. Um, so what what I mean by that is a person that prefers to either potentially be able to travel um, and also to be in a company that does work for international clients. Um, because when you do work for Havas, you do get that scalability. Um, mm -hmm. And also just being able to to work with other colleagues in different parts of the world. I think there are people who do uh, prefer that way of working than to actually work local at a local level. Okay, cool. 
All right, I, I wanted to then come back on, if I haven't broken my microphone there, hang on. Uh, I, uh, I wanted to come back then to, to the idea of, of learning because I think that a good way of keeping people motivated is, is if, they're, if they're always learning, if they're always feeling like they're developing. And that doesn't necessarily mean going up the ranks and becoming, you know, senior, senior modular something, whatever, whatever, and carrying on with more titles and, and, and stuff. It's, it's, uh, uh, certainly if you're away from being able to, to organize everybody's paychecks, it's, it's about, you know, them getting a, a lot of value out of, uh, what they're doing. So, um, how do you approach learning within a team? Um, Laura, I'll try and come back to you first, if that's okay. Um, how can you make a team feel that they're always learning, always progressing? Yeah, so we're quite a small team, definitely compared to the other guys on this. Like our entire company is eight people. So we're much smaller. Um, and actually, we learn from each other quite a lot in having people from different countries with different backgrounds, having worked different accounts, having worked agency, having worked in-house. We all kind of learn from each other in different ways. Yes, we do events yes um you know webinars like this are wonderful for help for helping to learn and in-person events when they can happen um and you know training events that people want to go on of course we do all of that but i feel sometimes we learn the best when we learn from each other and we'll just jump on a video call we'll grab some snacks and kind of um i quite often will send everybody um some snacks out and some and you know some drinks and snacks for when we're doing a training and we'll just sit for a couple of hours and somebody on the team will teach everybody else something else whether that's you know something new they found in link building whether that's a new cool thing in search console and it helps to actually bomb the team as well so we kind of get a bit of a two for one in that mm -hmm. okay and so you're right at the other end of that extreme with you know large groups um i'm imagining that there's a lot of structure in the learning um that that uh, that's in havas or do you think there's still that that hot sort of jump on a call and learn it as you go kind of approach i didn't mean it like that laura but i mean, I mean you know do, do you have you have do you have structure in there and structured courses where you, people have to go and learn certain things in a certain order yes yes we do so it does have, it does as well depend um so what i mean by that is um from a career point of view we do have like a framework that is mm. structured so basically starting out from an entry-level position, um, the things that you need to do basically to get up to the next level. So that, that structure is there. But when we look at the pod level, so um, account managers working on specific accounts, they can just jump on a call with the execs um, mm -hmm. and have that kind of informal learning. Yeah. Okay, so have us have like gamified it, so they've kind of got a different different approach in that. Sorry, Laura, you wanted to jump in. I was just going to say, I think uh, we don't actually have juniors in in my company either, um, so that's probably why we don't have this kind of structured PDP approach with our training. Mm -hmm. Everybody coming in has at least like three, four years behind them um, before they join, so it makes the training slight have to be different anyway because people come in knowing. Um, I, I think it's I think it's very interesting both approaches because neither both of them have got a lot of strengths and I was going to ask um, Aya and uh, Helen if if they sort of which which approach they think is is, is stronger because one is very structured but the disadvantage of structure is that um, as the internet as as we know the SAO world changes bloody quickly and all of a sudden there could be a completely new focus on you know inlinks is all about entities and and topics is you know uh, and it's it, it's nothing about keywords really anymore and, and so we've kind of like moved down that avenue so so um, so the the we're going to get on a on a call this week and find out what's been live in the market this week is 
is great in one sense. And then we've got this training course and you've got to make sure you know the foundations because you're not going to be able to pick up on the other things is, is great on the other end. So Helen and I, Isla, you know, which, which approach do you think has, has got strengths and, and what's the strengths and weaknesses of both approaches? We actually have a mixture of both of them. <laughs> okay. So, because yeah, saying, but to be fair, you 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 two have had the advantage of listening to me kind of put, pitch these two ideas against each other. So, I'm not you know I'm not taking that for a second. I'll get you somewhere else to the line. But Isla, yeah, go on. It is true. So it's true that we haven't had the structure side yet. We're working on it right now because it is true. Like having juniors, you do need to have a structure on how they have to be deep diving into SEO, understand from how the keywords work, how Google works, the technical side, the, 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 sorry, the content side. So that's a good thing. The, the, the downside of having a, a structure um, education, let's call it, it's that is not flexible. Uh, it's student, or student, sorry, it's junior is going to need different, different characteristics because they have different skills. They have different ways of learning. So that's, this is when what Laura is saying comes in. That is the one-on-one -on -one approach is the, okay, let's jump in a call. Let's go through it together. Let's do it in this way. Let's do it in this other way. Uh, practical cases, whatever it is. We also have once, uh, once a week, we try to have this, what we call hive mind where we sit down, we sit down virtually um, to understand what everyone is doing. How can we learn from others? What is exciting that they've done and we can learn from it. So yeah, I think a mixture of both is, is quite important here so that you get the best of both worlds. Helen, do you want to add anything on there or do you want to get let off the hook on this? No, no, I'm happy to add something to that. So what I quite like about iTech is we actually have uh, entire days that are set aside twice a month for training. And what that allows is actually our team that are very, very senior and all of our SEOs are very senior. They can actually dictate their own training and spend a good portion of um, their, their time actually going through courses if they want to or meeting with um, experts in the industry and going through workshops so there's a lot of flexibility around that but we also then have the ability to bring people who are more junior through more structured training so we've got um, just launched an academy to bring in people who are perhaps brand new to the industry or looking to move into the industry from another industry through the basics of seo and various other uh, disciplines so again it is that kind of tailoring it to the needs of the individual and i don't think you can do it any other way if you want to get the best out of your team i think it has to be very much on a, a team member by team member basis because not everyone is going to respond well to very structured training other people respond well to those kind of discussions where you sit down in a room together albeit virtually and discuss the latest changes in something or even back to mm -hmm. basics discussing why something is the way it is why do we do things the way we do in seo and other people just want to go through a course so it has to be tailored Okay, I'll, I'll 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 leave that there, and I think it's uh, I think it's interesting because there are there's, there are more approaches, and I don't think there's a, a an obvious one, and I and it, it's it's interesting getting the uh, we haven't really talked about you know whether that really lights up anyone's fire, what lights people's fire, and it's as you say it's different. Well, as a number of you said, it's different different things will appeal to different people, um, in culturally at if if nothing else. So so but but that that fact that everyone's thinking differently then perhaps comes on to my next question, which is um, how do you keep everyone on the same page? I think now that we've moved virtual, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's even more important. Um, well, how about a show of hands? How many of you use um, – ah, what's that? What's that? Not, not Stripe. What's that, what's that, uh, that thing that everyone uses um, to, to talk to each other? It's kind of like Trello-y, chatty thing. Are you trying to say Slack? 
That's it. Yes. I hate the thing. I hate the thing. <laughs> How many do you all use Slack? We do yes. have Slack, yes. Yes. Yeah, we use Teams. Use Teams. Actually, I use Teams yeah. as well. And I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Teams man. Yeah. Ellen? We use something else completely different called okay. Rocket Chat. Okay. All right. Okay. So uh, um, the thing, the problem I find with Slack, I and I suppose it's a little bit with chat in Teams, is is a kind of lose the thread every now and then, and then um, and then if you put everything into Teams in 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 one sense, you've got a project in a team, then you kind of forget to go and look in that team because you're in so many projects. So I think both ways around has some challenges. So I guess, okay, we've we've learned what your what your tools are, (laughs) but um, what are your tools and techniques for getting everyone on the same page and getting everyone engaged on that communication as well? Does anyone? I'm not going to pick anyone this time. Who wants to jump in on that one? I'm happy to start that one off. Go for it, Helen. It's going to be a similar thread to my last comment. It very much depends on the people. So what I like is that uh, you have options for people. So some people love a meeting. I'm I'm one of those people. Others hate meetings with a passion. They don't want to speak up during them. They don't want to be uh, raising their hand to talk about something. They don't mind listening, but they don't want to participate. And for them, it might be that actually uh, communicating via something like a Slack channel is much better for them. So it's a way of finding that balance between people and how they communicate and making sure that everyone is receiving the information that they need to receive. So it might be, for instance, that you have a a weekly meeting where everyone gets together to talk about something like um, sharing knowledge uh, or what they're working on that week, or you can give notices and announcements, but also that's then followed up by a regular conversation within the the team chat so that people Mm -hmm. can just kind of uh, input as and when they want to rather than waiting for that kind of defined moment where you have a meeting together so kind of opening up all the different communication channels helps because some people respond better to some than others um, you do then run the risk of a little bit of overload but i think it's about weighing up the pros and cons there okay i quite like that idea open up all the channels so that they can choose which channel they're going to be <laughs> communicating on yeah any other thoughts on that it's a lot of channels i'm Maybe I'm, I'm maybe I'm a bit lazy. I don't know, um, but I think because we are a smaller team, it's probably easier. But say we get a new client on board, we have a Slack channel for that client, and then all the important information, links to docs and everything, will go in there, and it's in Drive for everybody to get hold of. Um, we'll have a chat through it. Whoever's going to be working on the project straight away, because not everybody on the team might be working on the project, and we'll just grab a quick phone call and run through it like where possible we'll do like a joint whatsapp call rather than video call because i know that we're all like tired and fed up of video calls and we'll just and we'll just do a a group chat phone call um and then just run through and then if anybody's got any questions they can come back when they feel or they can pop them in the slack channel or they can dm or they can call me or call whoever else is involved in it um so we're trying Mm -hmm. i'm trying to keep it really simple and it's just everybody knows where it's always going to be and where the information is always going to be for each client, like they have their own folder, it's all going to be in there. And then if they have any questions, they can just kind of dip in. But I, we're probably very fortunate in that there isn't anybody on the team that has that fear of speaking up or has that fear of asking questions. If we did, we may have to take a slightly different approach to things for sure. Oh, you could, okay. So you've got a, 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 yeah, a proactive group of chatters. Okay. All yeah, right. nobody's nobody's... Everybody asks too many questions. We always kind of say, you can never ask too many, just throw them in. And then, like, if we need to have a phone call to sort it out, we will. If we don't and we can answer it, then brilliant. Um, 
but yeah, we're, we're very fortunate, I think. And uh, and and so, si, I mean, you're you're on teams. So how how do you how does how does your teams all sort of set up? Is it all different for every single person that logs in to look completely different around the organisation? Guess it must do because you've got such a large organisation. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, we do. But um, what what we tend to do within teams, we actually structure it um, within the subdivisions. Um, so we have a division a division um, sort of teams group. Um, for instance, for the performance team, for the SEO team, and then for content and and so forth. So, um, and do, you, do you have that by client or by country? So we can have that by country, and we can also have that by client. So we can really drill down into the nitty gritty um, of how that's structured. But you can also go um, by pod as well. So when you have like an account manager that's looking after a specific pod. Um, you can actually directly communicate with them. So as an AD, you basically sit on all those different channels um, and you get communications uh, coming through. Um, in terms of like the communication, it depends really because we tend to communicate on a monthly um, basis through the performance monthly meeting. And then obviously as a, as a company, um, we um, tend to speak to the rest of the business um, like every quarter, essentially. Um, but at, at the really hard level, what we tend to do is work on Scrum um, methodology. Right. So we take big projects, we break them up into smaller units, smaller chunks, and then that pod lead essentially uh, we catch up with the team members uh, either week by week or every other week um, just to see where everybody else is. Um, and we obviously project manage that through, you know, Jira or Asana or just um, oh. a Google Sheet. And that also rolls into what we're doing for clients as well um, in terms of the Scrum so method way of working. Um, so people tend to communicate across just teams in general. Um, and, and, and I think, I think that's it's quite fast paced how we decide to, to do it because um, working in those sprint intervals um, means that we're constantly communicating with each other. Yeah. Okay, I think it's uh, it's it's probably the most interesting dynamic, especially now post COVID. This, uh, this 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 communicating. So, let me jump in another question that you know you won't be prepared for. But uh, has anybody had much experience in changing their systems to have sort of hybrid meetings now? And and what are you doing to where you've got half the team in the office and half the team um, out? Have, has people had had any of that yet? And uh, has anyone fi- figured it out? What are you using? Yeah, I mean, it's a challenge finding a meeting room, right? When someone is just having a meeting, um, they're all on their own in the meeting room and just speaking to a couple of people on a um, on a computer. So it, it creates challenges when you need to find a meeting room. Um, it's it, 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 it is challenging because we're still trying to kind of figure it out um, how we should work, really. Um, and what we tend to do is if people are going to have a lot of meetings on a particular day, it's just best to, if we're possible, um, to get people into the meet, into the office, mm. and we can have those meetings in, in person. So Ayla, that, that's one. Yeah. Yeah, Isla, you you kind of like smiled when I when I suggested the hybrid meetings thing. You you've been um, you've been in that situation as well. Have you got any that worked well, or are they all a disaster so far? <laughs> and I don't mean no. you know just 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 we, the technology is uh, is is hard. It seems. It is no. I mean, I I, I smile because this is my life now. I'm the only one that is based in Spain. <laughs> right. So everyone in my team is in tent mainly. 
Um, so I'm pretty much the only one remote at the moment, fully remote. So right. recently we did have a all company meeting in the office, except two girls and me that we were remote. So the three of us were sometimes like struggling a little because I was like, oh, someone's talking, but we can't hear them because from the computer, you know, that this in the middle of the room, you cannot properly hear them. So, um, yeah, obviously now things are getting better. So I'll, next time I'll be able to be there. But when it comes to really big meetings, let's say the whole team, uh, part of it being in the office and just a couple of you at home, it is a struggle because obviously you you miss on the dynamic. If it's 50-50, then it's fine because you have one dynamic going on in real, in real life and another part of the dynamic happening in the video. So it's a little bit easier. But yeah, it is true that um, hopefully in the next one I'll be in person there. <laughs> so maybe, maybe we need to get our producer David Bain to uh, to give give uh, a blog post on the the ideal kit and setup for the sound on a uh, on a group call where uh, half the people are in the room. Possibly, yeah, so, that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I won't bring everybody in for every, every question because we uh, we're already two thirds of the way through the show, so it doesn't take very long, does it? Um, so uh, I wanted to ask uh, about um, uh, you know what. Uh, None of you seem like dictatorial people, so maybe it's just a problem with me. But, you know, how do you avoid that top-down dictatorial approach, which uh, can so happen? Uh, it's particularly if there's a mismatch in skill sets, I think, somewhere along the line, um, where you, you either you've got a client that's asked you to do something in a particular way, which may or may not be the way that you would like to, to do it, or maybe the, uh, the, the manager of the team um, you know, feels it's got to be done in a particular way. Um, you know, how do you avoid that? That uh, how do you avoid being a boss um, and um, be a be a partner to the team? I'll I'll, I'll jump on Ilya for that if that's okay. Yeah, sure. So for me, it goes back to being empathetic. I've had really horrible bosses in the past, <laughs> so I've learned from them on how not to treat people, and it's pretty much with respect. Um, just respecting everyone doesn't matter if their skill set is not what you think they should be or whatever it is just get them to where they should be or what you think they should be mm -hmm. but yeah it's just always always treating everyone with respect even if the client is being and excuse my friends and us treat mm -hmm. them with respect treat them with kindness and they'll eventually turn around i mean i'm quite of a bubbly person that in, i know that maybe for some clients or some colleagues it might not be the best thing because they might not think it's um it's a serious thing but in the end they end up turning around because they're like okay yeah she's bubbly she's you know she's kind she's she's this but she knows what she's doing she's being respectful to me she will never say anything bad to me no you know like this is what i always try to do i always try to do whatever i've seen that it doesn't work because i mean you see it in big age in my case it's been in big agencies i've seen that mm -hmm. happening and i've seen my teammates being scared motivated not happy and it's like you just need to smile a little bit and be like, you're doing a great job. Maybe we could do this better, but you're doing a great job. You know, like just being respectful and, and, and trying to be nice to everyone as much as possible. As rainbows and butterflies that it sounds, it works. <laughs> Helen, any thoughts on how to be a great leader that way? Yeah, I think it goes back to asking people about how they like to be managed and how they best receive feedback. Because if you have someone who says to you, actually, you know what, just tell it to me straight. I don't need you to coat this in uh, nice floaty language. Just tell me if I'm doing a good job and why I'm doing a good job. Tell me if I'm not hitting the mark and why I'm not hitting the mark. And other people actually don't want that at all. They want to be um, they want to be coached through things. They want to uh, be able to to tell you why they're doing something the way they're doing it. Um, and I think it's really about 
asking the people that you're managing what works best mm. for them because they're more likely to be on side with you more likely to see you as partnering with them if you're being as as we just said respectful enough to ask mm. them how to get the best out of them um, and not assuming that your style of receiving or giving feedback is how they receive and give feedback the best because everyone's different um, and I think it, just reiterating that point of actually you learn from the bad bosses more than you learn from the good bosses, I think. Uh, that when you've had really bad bosses, you kind of learn what not to do. And oftentimes it's not imposing your way of giving, receiving feedback and actually just listening to what they want. Yeah. Okay. Laura, Sai, any, um, anything you want to add in there? Just completely agree on yeah. listening to how people take feedback and learning from things you've seen in the past and probably creating your what what not to do list from what you've mm. seen in the past um i suppose for me i i'm kind of the first line and the last line in it so you know we don't have levels of management in the agency because it is so small um so it, it's probably it's a little different in probably how we have to approach it in that mm. you know if someone's got an issue they come to me if a client has an issue they come to me about it um, so actually it can be a lot softer on the feedback and it can be a lot more friendly um, rather than, you know, my head's on the line from my manager and their manager. It's just straight, you know, that I'm the one that's getting the aggro from the client on something. So I'll pass back and kind of give you give you that feedback where where needed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, listen to it, how everybody wants it. So, so, so do you guys, um, well, actually, sorry, let me ask you, do you have any... Um, particular oh, i'll ask uh, other people as well any particular methodology for goal setting in 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 the in the organization do you use a specific management style for for goal setting sorry um yeah so we set we, we set our um our goals um at the individual level every quarter um so but but we start off at the start of the year um as a business to say these are our targets these are our goals this is what we want to achieve as a business and then we take that and then we break it down to the division level and then the individual gets to basically sit with the line manager sets up their goals um i call them um basically okrs which objectives and key results um yeah. so those reviews happen or occur every every three months essentially and then we just adjust them um against um where they want to get to in their career like from a progression point of view and then line it up with the career uh framework as well yeah okay so that's my one of my oops here we go uh, one of my favorite books actually is uh, is this one here uh david i don't know if you can get me on the screen but uh uh which is uh, measure what matters by john deere um which is uh, basically the guy that wrote okrs as a thing and i think it's a it's a, it's a great approach because it connects everything up um you know so anyone use a me different methodology for goal setting not hugely compared to that it is very much you know what where the team want to focus and what they want to learn so if there's a new skill that they want to learn that is something that they haven't come to us with then you know we'll set that with them and we'll work with them to achieve it but at the same time we kind of don't enforce it on the team either you know if if somebody's quite happy in what they're doing say they're you know they they're really hot at seo and they don't know paid search but they have no no inkling to want to learn it we don't force it on them because that's yeah. not what we brought them in to do um, so it's very, it's really fluid. Like we just try and make the entire agency really, really fluid and flexible from having flexible working down to just, you know, how, how people want to learn and what they and what they want to learn. Okay. okay. Um, all right. Let me, uh, let me move on then and uh, ask about uh, uh, organizing the teams. Um, do you, do you, do you have a preference for how a team gets organized? You know, do you, when, when you've got people 
when, where if you've got them in the office, do they sit in, you know, all the SEOs sit together and all the PPC people sit together and all the uh, social media managers, or do they um, all sit in pods? So I mentioned pods, and I don't know if a pod is a one SEO, one PPC, one social media person, um, uh, or, or, you know, how do you, or, or is everything virtual and people go across, across all those, um, depending on the, the, the customer needs? Has anyone got a particular favorite? You know, do you go down verticals or integrated teams? Sai, I'll pick, I'll pick on you because you've probably got it structured when you don't have a choice and it's already in a particular way. <laughs> um, it, it depends on the client. So it right. starts at the client level. So you've got managing partner. Um, and then within that, it depends on what's been sold into the client. Essentially, if SEO is part of that retainer, then SEO is in there. Um, and then you have you know your client planners. And within that, um, you'd have SEO and PPC. So those would be like a specific pod, but in and of itself, um, each PPC, either member or team, um, you know, the, the director within that team either has their own managers and account execs. So yeah. it, 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 is, it is usually a mixture. So either the pods are specific to the actual team itself, so within a specialist role, um, and then usually a lot of the structure occurs at the at the client level so um if a client wants to have seo ppc then we're going to have that as a as a part and as a team but presumably an seo person isn't working generally on one client at a time they've probably got several clients that they're they're working with are they always then working with the generally the same sorts of people or could they be working with a different different team members in each of those different pods yeah they could be working with the same sorts of people so the same um, account manager for an exec, for instance. Right. Um, but it depends as well because sometimes you could find that you're being line managed by, um, if you're an exec, you've been line managed by one account manager, but suddenly you have to be pulled into work on a particular, on a different client, um, on a new account manager. So it just usually depends on the fulfillment of the client contract. If they need mm. um, someone who's a junior level to work on that account, um, then if a person has capacity, um, based on obviously um, like FTE, for example, then they'll be brought on uh, onto that account, which is managed by a managing partner. Aya, does that approach mean that sometimes somebody's, you know, somebody's definition of a full-time equivalent can get stretched and, and individuals can suddenly feel completely overstretched by that, that because, you know, possibly because they're really good at their job they get them pulled into too many different projects at once is that something you find for example yeah i've seen that happening in my team right now <laughs> actually uh there was this one girl that she was amazing at doing something so in this case it's not that she was with one client she was with every single client doing everything for thing <laughs> but yeah. um yeah what what she was saying um before when i was in omnicom we had resolution and we used to be the core of the whole Omnicom because we were SEOs. We were working with absolutely everything. I think for me, that was one of the best things to do because in the end, SEO tends to be, you know, the thing that sticks every, all the, the other channels together. So for me, that's, I mean, working together, might not be sitting down together, but yeah, having SEO in the middle of the office is usually the best thing. <laughs> Oh, okay. So you're more like the uh, like the BBC News Central, where you kind of like the SEO core team, and then lots of little tables going out on sideways. That'd be your ideal vision of well, it. If you think about it, we're usually also the coolest people. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. But uh, you know, I, I I can't disagree. And um, uh, okay. Let me just. We haven't got much time, so I want to go on to, to the last question, Helen and Laura. Um, uh, time tracking. Do you use it? 
do you force it? What happens? You know, I'll start with you, Helen, if I may. Um, what's your view towards uh, time tracking? It very much depends on the company, I would say. So during my time agency side, I was incredibly passionate about time tracking, more so for the sanity of my team than necessarily the company itself. Um, I think if you are being pulled amongst different clients, you're being pulled amongst different tasks, it's really, really crucial to have time tracking in place so you can see where your team members are perhaps struggling with their commitments. Um, Oftentimes it would reveal that actually they were... So you think that time tracking is uh, reduces the stress on employees overall rather than increases it? That's a interesting. <laughs> they might disagree because no one actually likes time tracking in, in practice, but I do think it's important. If I had a team member come to me and say, I'm overwhelmed because the amount of work I've got on at the moment, I've got nothing to investigate there if I don't have a record of what they're doing and when they're doing it. So right. if I can see from their time logs that actually, yes, they're spending way too much time with one particular client who actually isn't paying for their time, then I know exactly where to go to with, okay, let's rebalance this somehow. Um, or if it's that actually they're saying, you know what, I feel like I'm really overworked at the moment and I can see from their time tracking, actually, they're spending a lot of time doing stuff that isn't necessarily helping them or helping their clients, then we can look at addressing that. Um, okay. I see that as a lot less of a need in-house where I am now because actually there's not quite that being pulled in lots of different directions that you get from agency life. But I do think personally it's very useful for you to know actually what you're working on. Where is your time going? Um, where could you perhaps uh, automate something so you're not spending as much time doing something? Where can you perhaps rely on the skills and uh, capabilities of your team members and your colleagues? Because actually they are a bit quicker at doing something than you are. I think when you know for yourself where your time is going, it helps you to get a lot more efficient. That's interesting. Okay, Laura, what are your thoughts? Don't use it. Hate it. Not a fan. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Okay, then let's go down the other two two people in the group. Um, Aya? I don't really want to say my opinion. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, no. uh, what, what does it have um, to be in your organisation then? <laughs> uh, it's, it, it is in force. It's actually the first time. I've always had to do it, but I've never done it in my life until now. So it is enforced. I do understand the reason why, why it's being done and why it's so important. I actually, Helen, the way that you've explained the it's really cool. I'm taking notes on that one <laughs> because that's a way to also show it to the guys on how it's ca- it can be valuable for them. But yeah, it is true that obviously it's a little bit of, a, um, it, could, it can be a little bit annoying sometimes, mainly because sometimes the day goes by and you're like, what have I done today? I know I've been doing millions of things. I've been sending millions of emails, Slack here, there, that. So for me, a lot of times it's a struggle to, to fill out the Slack. But it's true that for more exec levels, account managers and so on, it's much easier because they can plan their day much easier than me. So I think, obviously, depending on what position you have, it might be better, worse, easier, less annoying. <laughs> so I'm sure you use account. You have to use yeah, time. So sometimes you don't have a choice. <laughs> uh, we have clients where you need to submit your burns and it has to get audited. So it goes to the auditing firms. Um, and those hours need to be uh, attributed against what you bid in the client. Um, because if you don't burn those hours, and it's quite okay, but if you don't burn those hours and don't have any deliverables against them, against the work, um, then you don't get paid effectively. The client starts to recuperate their money um, or tunnel it to other different um, channels. So that Which may, not, may not be run by Hamas. So yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Yeah, t- typically they actually are run by, typically they're running by Harvest. So you could go to, say, TV or you could go to display and, um, and it might not go to SEO anymore. 
Um, yeah. So in those cases, you you do need to keep uh, track of your timesheets. And um, you know what? Gets, basically, what gets tracked gets measured, um, and through measurements can come improvements. So you know, with the team, I'm a big advocate for them just to complete their timesheets. Not for the fact that I just want to see if they do, you know, 37.5 hours every single week. It's more for the fact that um, I know we're over servicing a certain clients um, and they're not paying enough. So, yeah. so, how, so how do you guys track time with just with spreadsheets? No. So we have a, an in-house built um, tracking software. It's a project management software and also a a time tracking software that goes straight through to finance. So okay. each week, basically, um, the team submits their timesheets, and at the end of each month, it gets locked in. Um, okay. And then I do a reconciliation against the hours. Okay, Aya, what do you use for time tracking? Uh, we use Docket. I'm not sure if it's an internal thing or not, to be honest. Docket. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, Helen, what do you what do you like use or like to use? Well, nothing now that I'm in house. We're not time recording at all. So for me, it's just more my own records, but. Um, Previously okay. used uh, a few different iterations. It feels to me like every agency I've worked at has tried two or three different methods of time tracking and hated all of yeah. them and then eventually settled on one. Um, so so what, I think what, they're all pretty similar. Are, are there a couple out there that, you know, have not have been less worse than the others? Oh, uh, oh uh, depends. Are any of them going to sponsor me to mention their names? Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I find them all to be incredibly similar. It's just the you have to get into the habit of doing the time tracking. If you wait until the end of the day and then fill in your timesheets retrospectively, then it's going to take you ages. If you just get used to clicking a button when you start a task and clicking the button when you stop the task, then it's seconds of your time and it doesn't add up to half an hour at the end of the day. So uh, for me, it's more about your own personal discipline than there's the actual tool you're using. And Laura, has the argument for time tracking made any impact on you so far? <laughs> Not at all. Like, uh, I... I trust the team a hundred percent. We, you know, it's very, very rare. They don't get a piece of work done by, mm. you know, by when it's due. And, um, we don't have to submit to our clients hours because we don't work on an hours basis with our clients. It's not how we bill. Uh, obviously some of you guys do. So I understand that the requirement for the tracking. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not sold no, on it. No, no, I think, I think it's great. I think it's one of the, you know, it turns out to be a, a you know, a bigger issue than you know how everyone sets goals actually it's kind of uh, uh probably the most difficult part of managing managing teams in, in the world of seo i would say so guys and i think uh, ever so yeah sorry sorry go on and yeah. dixon i'll give you a plug here pulse Callum um pulse. by Havos. yeah pulse Callum. okay okay yeah. pulse Callum. <laughs> What's yeah, it called? Uh, collab, collab actually. Collab. Collab. Oh, collab, postcard. Yes. Okay, yeah. right. Post okay, good, good, good. Free, yeah, free, go. free plug. No, no problem at all. I have no, uh, uh, no problems with plugging uh, uh, time tracking because uh, I've not found the one that you know makes me. There used to be a, a thing called Zobni, which plugged into my inbox on Outlook. But I think um, GDPR laws got in the way of that one, so uh, it kind of killed it all off. Uh, anyway, uh, guys, thank you ever so much. David, what have we got coming up next, next month, next session? Episode 14 is the one that is coming up next, which will be on the 16th of August at 4pm UK time, UK time. And that one's going to be called Link Building Strategies That Work Now. Joining us for that one will be Baby Raven, Judith, Judith Lewis and Stacey McNaught. So catch up with that one at theknowledgepanelshow.com.
That's brilliant. So, guys, it just leaves me to say thank you ever so much for coming on and uh, fascinating to, uh, to 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 go through the, those questions. And I really appreciate everybody's answers uh, and candidness as well. So um, thanks very much. Just before we go, uh, if anybody wanted to get hold of you, where do they go, Helen? Twitter is probably the best place to find me, at Helen Pollitt one Good luck remembering how many L's and T's are in my surname. If you can get hold of me that way, then you deserve to be able to ask a question. <laughs> <laughs> excellent laura how do they find you i am naf on social media i don't use it anymore um so you can drop me an email at laura at jellybeanagency.co.uk cool Isla? good old linkedin linkedin i can't pronounce it sorry <laughs> yeah but uh, now i've got to expel your surname as well so it's isla uh, i-c-a-z-a gonzalez yeah, uh, okay. there's not many of me with my name or my first name. I'm usually just there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so, how do they find you? Or do they have to go yeah. to an account rep? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I suppose it's LinkedIn um, as well. So, C um, S I and then my surname, that's what yeah. I say. Um, so, yeah, that's how you find me. It's on the screen. That's great. Everyone, thank you ever so much for coming this day. It's been really insightful. I've thoroughly enjoyed your, your company and thank you very much for all of your input. Good stuff. Thank you. Thanks, Dixon. Thank you for having us.